Anything. Anything you've been gleaning. Anything you want to share. Anything about today, yesterday, tomorrow. Lord willing, we have a tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Uh, Y'all do know God's mercies are new what? Our king is still on the throne. Amen. He's still on the throne. Mm. What you got, Brother Shannon? Uh, 2.13. Matthew chapter number 2. We're up to chapter number 4. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 13. The scripture says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. What you got, Brother Shannon? Well, it's until I bring these words. Until. Until you hear a word. Stay there. Stay there. Yes. And that's hard for us to do as Christians is we, we, we get one word, go, go, but then we want to go do something else and we don't want to wait until we heard here again. Until, until. you go. The key is now God gave him a word. He had a word. Remember, we will find life as God meant where we go where he sent. Every time we see God's people going where God sent them, they found it as he meant it to be. Yes. It's when you go to places and do things that God hadn't sent us is when we don't see life the way God meant it to be. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the way that the truth explains it to us. Every time we see in the revelation of God's word, when the Lord sent his people somewhere purposely, intentionally, they always found it just as he said it would be. Whether it be them going to prepare for the Passover, whether it be them uh, doing this or them doing that, they had to go to the right city. They had to go the right time. And when they did, they found it. They found it just as he meant. No different than with, with Joseph. Now, he had to stay there. We know the circumstances of this. Jesus was born. Those wise men from the east saw a sign in the heaven, a star. They set out on their journey to bring him gifts. Well, the sign, the, the sign that was over the child when he was born disappeared. They go to Jerusalem. They seek help to where this child was born. They entertain Herod. Herod finds out what they're there for. They explain it to him. Herod says, okay, look, when you find the child, let me know. They go, they find the child. He's not where it was at. Why? This is two years later. Right. How do we know that? We know that because Herod put out this word to do what? To kill all the boys, the male boys that were two years and under. And where did he send them? Sent them to Bethlehem. Why was Jesus in Bethlehem when he was born? 
would, was foretold and there was something that Caesar, Augustus, had a decree that there be a census. So everybody had to go back to their... So they go back to this place, right? Well, while they're there, what happens? She gives birth. They come back. Then God warns Joseph to do what? Flee, for there's a man that's seeking his life. Joseph goes to Egypt, and God says, stay in Egypt until you hear another word from me. Stay until. And then we find out that what? Herod dies. The man that sought the young boy's life, he dies. And a word comes to Joseph and tells him what? It's time to what? It's time to come back. Time to come back. So he loads up and he what? He comes back. Just following the leadership of what God gives him. Now, when we walk in what God reveals to us, when God speaks whatever he speaks to us, whatever he gives to us, when we read his revelation and trust him, believe him and trust what he says and walk in it, which that's faith. Faith is what? Seeing, agreeing and acting on what God reveals to us. When we see it, what God opens up to us, we agree with it and then act on it. That's faith. When we do that, we're going to see what God unveils to us just the way that he said it would be. Every time. That's how we're going to see it. And that's what Joseph does. He goes, he goes to a foreign land among foreign people. He goes to Egypt. The very place he told his people never go back to. Remember? Remember when they left Egypt? Under the law, he told them never to go back where? Don't go back to Egypt. But God sent his son, the Redeemer, in Egypt. Just like the law said to Mary, you couldn't worship, but guess who she's holding? She's holding God himself. Amen? Amen. You see, what the law condemns, grace always frees. And everything attached with Jesus was the fulfillment of God's redeeming grace for us. Look over in Luke. I think it's Luke 19. Luke 19. Go to Luke 19, somewhere in the 30s, I believe it is. And I could be wrong, I could be wrong, I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, Luke 19, 30. Luke 19, 30. This, this is the same, the same thing that God spoke into Joseph, that Jesus is speaking into his disciples, the principle's the same. Verse 30, he says, go into the village opposite you. So we got a specific place, just like Egypt was a specific place where they were sent, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose that coat and I want you to bring it here. And if anyone asks you where you are, why you are loosing it, thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has what? Okay. They go where he sent them. Verse 32. So those who are what? Sent went. 
their way and found it just as he said to them. Man, that right there is that beautiful picture of operating and living by faith, seeing, agreeing, and acting on what God tells you to do. And you will find it. We will see it. They went where they were sent and they found it as he meant. That's just a little phrase that I I remind myself. Nick, if you go where you've been sent, you will find it as Jesus meant. You'll see life. You'll see marriage. You'll see relationships. You'll see the kingdom. You'll see it as he meant it to be. But you got to be where he sent you. You got to go where he sends you. If they went to another city, they wouldn't have found it, right? If they would have went to another city, there wouldn't have been a coat tied. There wouldn't have been anybody asking them. And they wouldn't have had what the, what the master needed. Same way with us. If we go where we haven't been sent, it's a given we're not going to find life as Jesus meant it to be. And we, we, we operate around people all the time that are just not finding life the way Jesus intended it to be. And that's what we want to then help them. We, we are disciple makers, so we help them. Well, look, uh, when's the last time you saw the face of God? When's the last time you saw the word from the Lord, you heard from God? When's the last time you trusted what he said and done what he asked you to do? Well, the reason you're not seeing life from the perspective of how God gives us revelation on how life should be is because we operate in rogue. We're doing our own thing, going our own way in our own places to our own people, but we're not doing it his way. Joseph went to Egypt. God preserved and protected him. If Joseph would have chose not to go, what would have happened? It, it, it would have put him in a compromised position nonetheless, but he went and then he stayed until word came. And when word came, they were ready to leave yeah. and, they, and they came back. It was a fulfillment. They fulfilled no different than think about this. This this is right where we where we've been. Remember when John the Baptist, when Jesus entered and John saw him. And Jesus said that he must be baptized by him. And what did John say? I'm not, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And this is what Jesus told him. That what they were about to do would be the fulfillment of all righteousness. Why? Because that was the divine sovereign will of God for John the Baptist to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ on that particular day. Not only was Jesus fulfilling that righteousness, but so was John fulfilling the righteousness of God in obedience to the Lord and doing what God had set him apart to do. He was where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there, and what did he see? He seen the righteousness of God as it was supposed to be. Even though he felt unworthy, even though he was confused in the sense that it shouldn't be him doing this, but it should be Jesus baptizing him. He was the lesser. Jesus was the greater. Why would he be baptizing him? And that was the testimony of John where John said that I must decrease that he must 
increase in you. That's that, that's that picture of us denouncing our rights, dying to who we are and following after the Lord that we see life as it was meant to be. Now, John struggled because John's going to get put in prison. John's going to later be on the verge of death and he's going to wonder why Jesus never didn't come visit him. It's just showing that, that John was, was, was prone to uh, looking inward just like we are at any given time. And what did Jesus tell them to go tell John? Go tell him this, that you're seeing the, the dead raised and the lame walk. Just go tell him what you're seeing. Hey, go tell him. Just go let him know that, hey, you, you're right where you're supposed to be, John. I know it ain't where you think you need to be or you want to be, but you're, you are fulfilling the righteousness of God where you are. But because you don't see God's hand in this right now, you're having trouble praising God for it. You see, if, if I see this as the work of the enemy, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail to praise God for what I think the enemy's doing. But if I see God's hand behind what's going on, I'm going to give God the credit and the glory and recognize it's an enemy who's, who's doing what he's doing, but the enemy is still under the control of a sovereign God. Amen? It's not that I can't praise him, but I won't praise him if I think what's going on in my life right now is the product of the enemy and not the fulfillment of God's work in my life. Just... I'm not going to praise God if I think this is all the enemy at work and not God behind it. And that's why God does. Remember we was reading in Joel. Go look in Joel real quick. Older Testament book. And look in, in Joel. We just read in Joel. We wrapped up. We moved right into Matthew's gospel. So we just a few days out. Look in verse. All this that God said was going to happen. Verse 15. Of chapter 1. Chapter 1, 15. Chapter 1, verse 15. For the day of the Lord is what? It shall come as what? But who shall it come from? From the Almighty. He was wanting to make sure they understood and they did not miscalculate this. They didn't mistake it for somebody else. That they didn't blame it on somebody else. They, he wanted them to know that this was from the Almighty. And, and, and we, we, see, if, when we misunderstand and miscalculate things in our journey, it's inevitable we're going we're gonna to fail to give God glory and credit and we'll give way too much credit to the enemy. And that's what you, how many of y'all hear that on the, on the job in the community, everybody blaming the devil for it? Y'all hear that a lot? It's just a thing. Oh, that old devil, boy. And, and no doubt, I mean, the devil, he is a schemer. We, we, he, he does have his wiles. We see this in Matthew. Remember how he, if he's gonna, if he's, if he knows, cause he knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and he still attempted, he still attempted to thwart him. There's no doubt that he's gonna do those things with us as well. 
But Jesus didn't give him the light of day, did he? Nope. What did he do? How did he handle it? He kept, he kept coming back to the Lord and what his father had given him to do. And he kept bringing, he kept hitting the enemy with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Amen. That offensive weapon is what he used. We see it here. He wanted them. I mean, when you read the, the prophecies of Joel, the first part of it, I mean, it's a, it's a lot. When you're dealing with these locusts and you're dealing with this army and you're dealing with these things that are coming, destruction was coming, but he wanted them to know, don't mistake this for another nation. Don't mistake this for an enemy. Don't mistake this and misunderstand this as if it's coming as a result of someone else or some other thing. I want you to know it's coming and it's coming from the Almighty. I want you to know that because that puts us in another, that puts us at a whole nother place and a whole nother position of that. When I understand that, that may, I, I'm not going to escape it, but I want to tell you, I know who's going to shepherd me through it. I know who's going to bring me through it. So let, let's go back and look at, at Matthew, Matthew. So great point, brother Shannon. Great point is that when we go where God sends us, they that went were sent, and they found it just as he meant. Joseph found it, his disciples found it, and so will we. Anything that stood out, anything else that just stood out to you? Your flesh, my flesh, our flesh, remember our flesh is corrupt. And all God's people said... It's, it's corrupt. It's fallen. The enemy. Remember our flesh knows way too much about us and way too little about Jesus. That's why we operate by faith. We go where we sent. We believe what he shows. Trust, trust what he gives us. And the enemy will always work this away. He always has and he's always going to do these same things just like he did with Jesus. Jesus He's in the wilderness. We see in Matthew chapter 4. He's in the wilderness. He's been fasting for how many days? 40, 40 days. And he's going to be tested. He's going to be proven. He's coming to him. And remember, Jesus could have done, he could have annihilated the enemy at any time he wanted to, right? Amen. Why did he not? We talked about this before. Why did he not annihilate the enemy and cast him into the everlasting lake of fire from there on out? What was the main, what was, why did he not do that? Mainly because his father didn't tell him to. But with that, do we have the right in Christ or the authority in Christ to annihilate the enemy? No. What is the only thing that we can do when we are fully armed by God? As the scripture says, we're to put on the armor, right? What's the armor? Belt the truth. Which is just speaking of all these different armors are just applications of saying we're in a battle. We're in a warfare. We need truth. We need righteousness. We need a helmet of faith. We need a helmet of salvation, shield of faith. We need our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we need a sword. We need the word of God. If we're going to deal with the enemy, we need God's word. We need to be fully protected. But we don't fight the enemy 
on the same means that he fights and what he uses. The scripture says we are to resist the enemy and we resist him steadfastly in the faith. We got to be in the right position to resist him. That means we stand in battle right against him. What does the Bible say about our flesh? What do we do to our flesh? Do we resist our flesh? We do what? We must mortify the flesh. We must mortify. What does that mean to mortify? We must not feed the flesh. We must let it die. We must let it rot and don't feed it. We put faith in the fact that we died with Jesus on the cross. We were buried with him. We've been resurrected to new life. Our life is not our own, so we don't have any rights. We've yielded all those rights over to Jesus, just like Jesus yielded his rights over to his Father. We yield those rights over, and we trust the Lord. And we, as Jesus said, no man can come after me unless he first was deny himself. That means he denounces his own rights to govern his life, takes up his cross, that's his mission, and then what? That's part of that mortifying the flesh. Mortifying the flesh. Having that armor on. How do we deal with the world? Do we mortify the world? No. Do we resist the world? Yes. No, we don't resist the world. We resist Satan. Right. What does the scripture say how we deal with the world? He says you hate the world. Not people, but a system that Satan governs a system that doesn't factor God into everyday life. A system that lives without the influence of God upon it. The world we live in is our God's world. Amen. And the world that Satan operates and governs is a world system that doesn't seek God every day for the solutions in life. And that's, we, we want to we despise and hate that way of thinking. As the scripture says in Proverbs, what is the fear of the Lord? To hate evil, that which is useless of no eternal value. So when we give place to God, we're saying, God, we trust your way over the world's way. We love your way and hate the world's way that never factors you in. And that's why he says, if you love the world system that thinks that way, the love of the Father is not in you. Are you with me? It's not in you. So the point is, is that we got to know we got enemies out there. I'm my worst enemy, my, my worst own enemy as David. Remember we learned about David, that as long as David walked with the Lord, David had no fear. He had nobody that could outwit him or outdo anything. It was just when David yielded himself over, didn't mortify that flesh, and he gave in, then the enemy could take advantage of him. But as long as he was walking in harmony with God, God says that he would subdue every enemy that come before him. Same way with us. Same way with us. So we hate a world system that doesn't factor God in. We resist the devil just like Jesus did. Steadfast in the faith. That is with the precious truths of the word of God. And then we mortify or crucify the flesh because it's died with Jesus upon the cross. As Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I've died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and rose for me. Amen. Amen. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's that continual steadfastly of mortifying the flesh. So when the enemy comes, 
we can't annihilate him. You can hate him all day long, but it ain't going to do you no good. You got to what? Resist him. You got to resist him. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus resisted him by slapping him in the face with the word of God. Amen. With the word of God. Jesus said, a man shall not live on bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Then Jesus said, a man shall what? Fear God and serve him. Jesus said, he just kept going to the word. He kept going to the word. He kept grabbing the word. You know, those people that tell you the Old Testament ain't got no value. Well, our king believed in it. Amen. Isn't that where he grabbed his word from? Out of the book of Deuteronomy? Isn't that where he grabbed it from? And helped us with, now we talked about these things a thousand times over the, over the course of several years, but in, in, in essence, this is what Satan's going to do, and this is what we got to resist. He came, and he questioned if, it, if this was God, or if God was in it. He questioned what? If God said this, he questioned, is this God's desire? He questioned, is this God's delight? Is this God's will? Is this it? This is what the enemy is going to do when he comes to you. He's going to question the essence of God. If you are the son of God. You can what? Oh, it, it, oh, yeah. See, he's 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 playing. If you are, if you're the essence of God, you see, Satan believes in God, but he doesn't treasure him. Right? Not going to trust him. Doesn't love him, but he knows he's God. Yeah. And he believes in that he's God, and he trembles before him, but he doesn't rejoice in him. And the same thing here. This is what we see. Surely if you are the son of God, and that's what's going to happen with us. He's going to question the essence. Well, is God in this? Is God on you? Did God say this? Isn't that what he said to Adam and Eve in the beginning? Yeah. God surely didn't say, did he? Yeah. Not gonna kill you. You're not gonna die. You see, he's questioning God, or is God in this? Did God say this? Is this God's will? Is this God's delight? But see, Satan didn't, Jesus didn't dialogue back with him on that basis. He basically said, get behind me. Man's not to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So we got to keep that in mind. Is this God? Is God in this? He questions the essence of God. He questions the exactness or the clarity of God. Did God really say? You sure he said it this way? Well, God's pretty clear when he speaks. Amen. Amen. We don't have to wonder exactly what God said because he's pretty clear. Is this what God desires? The expectation of God. What was God's expectation? Man's not to live on what? Bread alone. Well, what did he want him to do? He wanted him to turn those stones to bread so he could have some bread. And then the enjoyment of God. Is this what God delights in? God delights in us glorifying him. 
and honoring him, yielding to him. So the enemy's going to do this. He's always going to operate that way. He's going to come to you and me and he's going to do these same things. I just need to be what? In the full armor. I need to know that there's a battle. I need to know that, hey, if I'm not, if, if I haven't mortified the flesh, Miss Barbara, that old way of thinking out there that doesn't ask God how to do business is going to be appealing to me. Because my flesh is going to be leading and my flesh gravitates to doing things on its own. It likes doing things its way. It's all it knows how to do. And when the enemy becomes, brings those deceptive things, I'm not going to resist him. I'm going to let the what? what? What's those three things the Bible talks about our, our flesh? You got the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And the lust of the pride of life. How does that work? The eye sees something, says I want it. The flesh sees it, says I need it. And pride says, I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. And that's what he was doing with Jesus. He was trying to get him to hook him with his eyes. He was trying to hook him with his flesh. He was trying to hook him with pride. And each one of these phases... And in each phase, what did Jesus do? He brought up the revelation of God. He brought up the light of God. Amen? Amen. And dealt with it from that away. And that's what he's... Jesus could have annihilated him, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't, number one, of course, because God didn't tell him to. Number two, you can't, I can't. And number three, how Jesus fought the enemy and overcame him, that's how we're going to have to fight him. Amen? Amen? He did it as an example for us how to overcome the test and the temptation of the devil. He overcame him the way you and I are going to have to overcome him. He could have done it in a million different ways, but he didn't. He did it the way that you and I will have to do it and can do it in him. Amen. Amen. You've heard me say this before. If the enemy could, he would. If he could use things that were uncommon and unnatural, he would, but he can't because God won't let him. Right. That's why the scripture says God won't let the enemy tempt you any more than what is common unto men. He can only use what is common unto men, what is natural. And the only way we're going to be able to overcome him is what is supernatural by the example and the lead of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So if we go where we sent, how are we going to find life? As God meant it to be. Amen. Amen. But if I'm not seeing it the way that the Bible lays it out for me, it's obvious I'm, I'm doing things, going places, and doing it my way and not his way. But boy, the difference it makes when I do it his way. Amen. Amen. I'm going to find it just the way he said it would be. And uh, what, what's the expectation, expectation that God has on all men? That they seek him, right? Yeah. So when men are not seeking him as a way of life, as a priority, we know we got somebody who needs Jesus. Amen. 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 And somebody that is seeking him, you know what we got, Palmer Lee? Somebody who needs to be encouraged 
to keep walking with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, she's tired. Father, we bless you tonight. We love you and thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for uh, speaking into us, for revealing your truth to us, for showing us your ways. Uh, Lord, we just continue to lift up holy hands to you as you teach us with no animosity, with no anxiety in our heart. We know there's only one mediator in this world that reconciles men unto himself who took him, took, though he be without sin, took sin upon himself that we could be the righteousness of God in him. I pray that you continue to send us out as those missionaries to do your work. Help us, Lord, with this, these ways of, of mortifying our flesh for resisting the enemy and, Lord, hating a way of thinking that is so opposed and contrary uh, to you in your way and that we would love people and help them and lead them to you who makes a difference in our lives and can be the difference in theirs as well. We're going to praise you tonight and thank you for sending us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Y'all have a good night. Love y'all.